Hello, 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 and welcome back to the More Money Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Morehouse, and this is episode 327 of the show. And I'm so excited to share this episode because not only do I have a returning guest, but I also have a very good friend of mine joining me back on the show, Alyssa Davies. You may remember her from when she first appeared on the show back in April 2020, episode 235, where she was on the show to discuss setting financial goals because she had her first book about the 100-day financial goal journal. Well, two years later, even though we're still in a pandemic, she's been quite the busy bee uh, churning out another book. This one is called Financial First Aid Essential Tools for Confident, Secure Money Management. So excited to have her on the show. But in case you didn't listen to that episode two years ago, here's uh, a, a little bit uh, of info about Alyssa. So she is currently the content manager for Zolo. And like I've mentioned, a published author. She's based out of Calgary. She's also the founder of the two-time award-winning Canadian personal finance blog of the year, Mixed Up Money, uh, as of 2022. And she has over 80,000 followers across social media. Through her work, she has been featured in many notable publications, including The Globe and Mail, CNBC, CBC, and much more. And her new book, is like literally fresh on shelves, right? It's on, it's available now. And of course I will be giving away a copy. So make sure to continue to listen to find out more details on how you could potentially win a free copy of her book. So, uh, so many exciting things to share. Um, also I should kind of share what, like what we're going to be diving into. Obviously we're going to be talking about her book and what I loved about her book. And you know, again, we will talk about this in the episode is it, really hones in and gets detailed into the topic of financial emergencies um, and having that financial first aid kit. Because um, even though on the show, I've talked a ton about, hey, you know, it's really important to have an emergency fund. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, there's life isn't that simple, right? It, there's so many different types of financial, uh, you know, hardships and emergencies that may come about. And how do we prepare for them? Or how do we overcome them? How do we deal with them when they happen and we didn't have time to prepare? So we really get into the nitty gritty of all that. So I know you're going to love this episode. But before I get to that interview with Alyssa, I just want to share a few words about this podcast episode sponsor. This episode of the More Money Podcast is supported by Oxio. Have you had it with the big internet providers in Canada? The contracts, constantly shifting prices, and customer service that will keep you on hold for hours? If only there was another option that could provide you with the same quality internet, minus all that other BS. Oh wait, there is Oxio, a digital internet service provider that first launched in Quebec in 2019 and has since expanded to Ontario and British Columbia. Want to know why I made the switch to Oxio? For starters, Oxio is everything the big telecom companies are not. They provide unlimited internet, no contracts, fast and local customer service, and they don't sell your data. And they pride themselves in being radically transparent with their pricing. No, seriously. For all of their internet packages, they show you the breakdown of where your money goes from network costs to how much the company actually profits. Not only that, Oxio's prices are typically lower than the average market price. So switching could mean more money in your pocket. It sure did for me. Want to give it a try too? Just visit oxio.ca and use promo code MOREMONEY to try out Oxio for free for one month. It's as simple as that. Once again, visit oxio.ca, that's O-X-I-O dot C-A, and use promo code MOREMONEY to try Oxio for free for one month. 
Welcome back to the show, Alyssa. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. When were you on when you released your first book? Was that in 2020? Was that in the crazy year of 2020? Oh, yeah. I had no chance of celebrating the first yeah. book because we were in peak pandemic. Yeah. Peak. And we're still technically in a pandemic. Yeah, that's pretty oh, yeah. funny. It's like, wow, you released two books during the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, what else am I going to do? I yeah. can't leave my house. To be fair, yeah, that's actually quite productive of you to, to do that. So I'm excited to have you yeah, back on the show. Second book, very different than your first book. Um, you know, first, I'd like to kind of catch up. How, what have you been up to? Lots of, I think, changes, um, you know, in your life and, you know, just like your brand and, and business since I first had you on the show a few years ago. You know, what's the update? Yeah, so much has changed. Um, I feel like when we first chatted, I had like barely been online, like promoting my business. And now I'm I got followers on platforms. I don't know what's going on, but it's a lot of fun. And I had another baby. Yeah. Uh, I incorporated the business. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everything's on the up and up. Like it's all exciting and big and fun things. So yeah, mix up money's popping off. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, like, you know, I've known you for a while and um, mainly through, you know, the blogosphere. Uh, but it seems like now, you know, you've definitely shifted to, you know, focusing a lot on like TikTok and Instagram and just kind of building those audiences, which is so smart because I mean, as everyone kind of knows in the past couple of years, you know, we've all been online a lot more and people are consuming content, especially personal finance content in different ways. And I love what mm -hmm. you're doing especially on your Instagram, you know, doing something different, using a lot of, you know, kind of the artwork that you're making and, you know, just, ha you know, doing something different to kind of, um, you know, make the, the you know, personal finance information more accessible and interesting. I'm curious um, because you've been doing what, you know, your kind of Instagram feed ha has been for, for a while now, I guess, you know, since 20. 20 what is um and because you integrate a lot of the artwork that you use on your instagram into your book as well which i really love how it's so fluid what kind of inspired you to kind of you know do this because i i can't really think of an, another personal finance like instagram or who does something like that making these kind of um artwork pieces with some you know it, it's like it draws you in you're like oh that's kind of cool looking and then you're like oh what's <laughs> it actually have to say and then it kind of you know sneakily gives you some good personal finance tips yeah for sure i feel like i totally agree like things started to really shift i feel like people took kind of a step back from long form content and we want things quicker easier um just fast because we're consuming so much news and so much information all the time it's exhausting and i knew i had to make the switch to social media as like primary focus but i never wanted to be the face of my Instagram account as much as as much as it's kind of required I wanted to do that as little as possible um, by removing myself from the account so like at first I was just doing little doodles on my phone and I was like maybe I can post these like they're kind of bad but you know we'll see and then I just started to fall in love with it and because of the pandemic I lost most of my hobbies because they were all sports and going to the gym everything was locked down closed down and so I bought a new iPad, I bought an Apple Pencil, and I spent a ton of time watching YouTube tutorials, learning how to draw, and I spent like two hours a night drawing. And, and then I just started posting them, and they've progressively gotten a little bit better, I like to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it just really helped like eliminate me from the feed and make it more 
easy for everyone to feel like there was something for them rather than just another person online, just, you know, like another influencer. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I, I love it. And yeah, it was actually really kind of exciting to see that you integrated so much of that in your book. Uh, it just kind of, you know, marries both the worlds into one place and talking a little bit more about your book. Um, you know, so it's called financial first aid. It really is focused on the specifics of like, uh, dealing with a financial emergency and how to either deal with it if it happens or how to prepare in advance. So if it does happen, you're, you're ready to go and you've got, you know, um, everything in order. So it doesn't have such a big negative impact on you. Cause typically like that is what I think we've all personally experienced in one way or another over the past couple of years, but it's something that will always be, you know, something that people struggle with is, and that's usually what derails people from reaching lots of their goals or making uh, progress uh, in the timeline that they kind of expected is something will happen that's unexpected and they have to figure it out. So I'm curious, why did you really want to uh, create a book that had this specific focus? Yeah, it's so ironic because like you said, we all know emergencies are going to happen. So they're almost rather than like having emergency funds, they're planned expenses. Like, you know, things are going to happen, especially if like, if you're a homeowner, you know, you're going to have an appliance breakdown. If you have a car, you know, you're eventually going to have something happen where you need income and you need it now. And I was actually pitching a completely different book uh, right before the pandemic happened. And then everything shifted. We felt like that book didn't make sense given the current economy and the climate and how people were spending. And I started to really have deeper conversations with my close friends and family about money that I had never had before because they had always felt comfortable. And then suddenly we were all forced into this really uncomfortable position where even if you wanted to disassociate and pretend that your money didn't exist and that you didn't have to worry about it because everything was fine, you suddenly had to face it. It wasn't an option anymore. It was, uh, okay, I have to start to understand where my money's going if I have enough and okay, I've lost my job. Like, what am I going to do? And so I was like, I need to write a book for these people that I love and that matter to me because I know that they're going to find benefit out of it. And I know so many other Canadians are going to feel the same. And so I wrote the proposal and immediately it was like, yep, this is perfect. Like, let's roll with it. And I myself like have very different approach to emergency funds because I have crippling anxiety. (laughs) And so I felt like this was just a natural fit. It was something I was super passionate about. I am super passionate about. And I I dove in. I love, I loved it. And I love how that you love the illustrations as well, because we wanted to make it feel again, fun, relatable, less intimidating and less like shame around Mm money. And and it's funny because, you know, usually around the topic of like emergencies or emergency funds, it's like a two sentence, you know, tip on save three to six months of your living expenses and you're good. Like you wrote a whole book on all the ins <laughs> and outs, which is like, I'm like, wow, how did she write a whole book on this? And you, you really did. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I guess what, you know, is your, why is your approach to emergencies uh, or, or emergency funds so different than say, you know, kind of regular people or other money experts that kind of just usually give that um, kind of traditional advice? Why did you really want to hone in on, listen, there's lots of different types of emergencies and there's different ways you should react or prepare for them um, and really go in deep giving examples and scenarios? 
Yeah, the three to six month rule. That's the that's the one thing about finance is everyone wants things condensed into one rule that can protect them and save them in times of doubt. And unfortunately, money doesn't work that way. There isn't one rule for every single situation that's going to fit your lifestyle to a T. And I don't disagree with a three to six month rule. I think it's a great rule. Um, But there are a lot of variables that come to play. And for me personally, I had that three to six month emergency fund and I was too scared to spend it. I felt like it didn't matter what happened. I was like, I can't spend this money. This is my only security blanket. Giving it up will make me feel like I'm living in scarcity. And that's how a lot of us feel like we're constantly living. They'll never be enough. They'll never be enough. That's that's the society we live in. And so for me, the shift happened when I started to compartmentalize all of my financial goals, but specifically my emergency funds. Instead of having one fund that was three to six months of expenses, I actually have three. (laughs) I have one for me to protect myself from toxic workplace, uh, potentially something happening in my relationship. Um, I have one for my household, so all of my family. So if anything, like if my lost my job, if my husband lost his job, um, if some medical emergency arose. And then the last one is for the four walls around me, for the home that we bought. Um, because yeah, those are those planned expenses that you cannot avoid. And as soon as I split them into three accounts, I was suddenly more comfortable with spending them because I wasn't spending from one giant account and it didn't seem like as much of a withdrawal. It felt like, okay, I've assigned each of these funds to a purpose. And when you have that purpose behind how you spend your money, it's game changing. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I have a similar system. I, I don't think I've ever really thought about it that deep. And also like the other thing too, which I, you know, you kind of address in your book is, you know, nothing's set in stone. Things evolve over time. Like, you know, for example, you had that one and then you divide it into three. And yeah, for me, depending on what my life has looked like, sometimes I've had one account, sometimes it's been multiple accounts. Um, I think for a while too, me and my husband always had kept everything separate and slowly over the years, we're like, ah, let's kind of put things a bit more together. It just kind of made more sense with how our lives kind of changed. And now we kind of have less accounts and it really kind of depends on, you know, what your situation is. But I'm curious, you know, what would you say to to someone like how, how does someone know how many accounts that they should have or how to divide them up? You know, for example, it's like you're married, you have a family, but you also have your own personal emergency fund. Do you think that's something important that everyone should have a hundred percent I'm like I get a I catch a lot of heat for that one a lot of people find it very strange that I have a separate emergency fund from my partner they think that that means that there's something off in our relationship or that I feel like something bad's gonna happen and it's quite the opposite um, we're very transparent he knows about the account and we both have one and it's it's kind of become a necessity for us to feel confident and comfortable, not just in the sense that like, what if we break up or what if we get a divorce more in the sense of like, what happens if one of us unexpectedly passes away? Um, and all of our accounts, most of our big accounts are combined, including our credit card. And I don't think a lot of people really realize that if you're combined, um, you don't always have access to every part of your money. So like we have a joint credit card. My husband's the primary on that card. So if he passed away and I was spending money in a different city and needed to get them to open the account, I can't do that. It has to be the primary cardholder that calls the bank to make that change. 
And so it's little things like that that just give you that confidence and that comfort in knowing that if something does happen, uh, you're okay and you'll be protected. And it's not an obscene amount because I'm not in any way trying to tell people to keep a bunch of money on the sidelines. Like you can't just save and save and save and not do anything with it. Um, that, that's not good for your money either. But it's just enough that if we, I wasn't able to access the funds in our accounts, that I would be okay to pay our essential bills. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious also, the other question that I'm sure you get a lot, because I get a lot, is how much, you know, obviously people do like that three to six month rule because you can make that quick calculation. But if you're making different accounts for different purposes, how do you know when it's enough? And is it ever enough? Because you kind of already touched on sometimes and I, I've heard this from so many people. It's like, I don't want to touch my account because I took so long for me to save up that amount. It feels like I'm cheating myself, you know, borrowing from it or, or taking that money out, even though that is literally what the purpose of the account for is for. And so how do you know how much you should put in and, and how do you know when to stop contributing? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like when it comes to like my household emergency fund, that's for all of us, we do that three to six Expense, months expenses because that is a great rule. It does make sense because it's you can customize it to your own expenses. Um, but something that's really important to recognize is like what is enough for you because a lot of the times people will say like you need a bare bones budget enough to cover your ex- essential expenses. Um, but for us, because we have dual income, maybe it, it doesn't make sense to save that much because if one of us loses our job, it's not as likely the other person will at the exact same time. So we might feel comfortable with less. So that's the first question is like, what's your risk tolerance? Are you comfortable with risk? Maybe you feel like you only need one month of expense, expenses covered and then you have a line of credit uh, and you're okay to use that and that's something you're comfortable with. Um, another question to ask is like, yeah, what does your life look like? Because if you are a homeowner, um, you probably, you don't need, maybe you don't need that homeowner's fund. Your landlord's gonna be responsible for those expenses, not you. Um, so that's always something that's important to consider too. Like. I have three emergency funds. You might only need one. You might not need to compartmentalize your your goals. Um, but it's asking those questions of what does my lifestyle look like and am I comfortable living on bare bones or do I need to save a little bit more of a cushion so that I can continue to live the lifestyle I want to live, even if the worst case scenario happens. And totally what you said too about the comfort of like spending that money. I've asked people that too, like, what would make you comfortable? And they think I'm joking. Like, it's like, well, a million dollars, $3 million. And I'm like, I get it. I get that that's it. But like, you actually need to sit down and ask yourself, like, what's a realistic number that would make me comfortable? Because if you don't have like a tangible number to look at that you can't, you can't conceptualize, you'll never feel like you're going to get there. And you have to start with something like everyone starts at zero with their emergency funds. So like having that goal number is so, so important. And so many people will just like not do it because thinking about the discomfort is easier than facing the reality that like you'll need that money one day. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say? Cause I know I also get this question a lot is if you're facing, you know, you're, you're kind of str- struggling with cash flow and you've got debt. Um, what do you do? I know there's, you know, lots of rules of thumb. It's like save a thousand dollars first, then focus on debt, then, you know, replenish or, or you know, uh, boost up your emergency fund. When people are struggling with trying to pay their day-to-day expenses, pay down their debt, but they know they need an emergency fund. How do they, how do they kind of balance it all? Yeah, I think one thing that I actually did when I was repaying my debt is I just had a consistent 
amount that I would save every single month. It was a really small amount because I didn't have a lot of extra money, um, disposable income at the time, but it was $20 a week. And I kept having to spend it because unfortunately when you're in debt, you're constantly having to face more emergencies because you are living on less. Um, but the important thing was that I was saving it and that I did have that cushion and there is no, like, I don't like to say like, you need a thousand dollars when you're in debt because you're probably going to just like be saving for your emergency fund the entire time you're repaying your debt. I don't know if that stops, unfortunately. Um, Depends how much debt you have, but because debt is highly emotional, uh, it can feel like that is all you need to focus on and like you cannot possibly put money towards anything else. But the problem with not having that emergency fund is that then when you are facing a financial emergency, you get pushed further behind Mm -hmm. on repaying your debt. Mm-hmm. You're most likely not going to be able to even make the minimum payment, let alone that extra money you were putting because something significant happened and you have to prioritize an emergency. That's why it's an emergency. Um, so that even just a small cushion can like be the one thing that allows you to still make your minimum payment um, if something were to go wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so for so long, you know, the message out there was that debt is bad. You have to get rid of debt. And uh, and it almost kind of, I guess, sounds counterintuitive to focus on saving instead of debt repayment because it's like, no, I have to get rid of my debt and then things will be fine. But yeah, like you said, it's like, well, if you don't have that cash, you know, reserve set aside, guess what happens when something happens and something always happens, you get further into debt. But it is so hard when you really just want to focus on one thing. But unfortunately, you, you have to find that balance and do both. Absolutely. You talk also a lot about some different scenarios that I think a lot of people typically think when they think about a financial emergency, it could be like, you know, their car breaking down or job loss or something like that, or, or a home repair kind of situation. Cause those are the things that are pretty common, but like you've already mentioned, it could be, you have a toxic workplace and you need to leave. I've experienced that. I know you have, and you talk about that in the book and goodness, it is one of those saving graces, having cash in the bank, knowing that I can quit instead of having to stay here and deal with some, you know, really, um, you know, kind of potentially harmful things. Or you, you talk about in the book, your experience with an unplanned, you know, surprise pregnancy. It's like, this happens to so many women and it's not really something, you know, not really something that you could plan and, you know, set aside money. <laughs> Cause again, it's like surprise. Um, and so, so with those kinds of things, I mean, I guess with the job thing, because I feel like we talk a lot more about toxicity in workplaces now, I think. And you even mentioned Paulette uh, Perhatch, who I love, who has the F off fund. She wrote that great article um, about how it's so important to have some money set aside so you can leave a toxic workplace or relationship. But for things like an unplanned pregnancy, like that's a big life change and big future expense. We all know those numbers. It's like it'll cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of that child and stuff like that. So for you, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how to plan or is it even possible to plan for some of these, you know, things like that that are are really kind of outside of your control and not really easy to kind of prepare for in advance? Yeah, it's such a good question. (laughs) The unplanned pregnancy is one that like, I get asked a ton, mm. like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm in this situation now. Like, how did you manage it? And 
it's not an easy thing to answer because everyone's going to deal with that situation differently. But the one thing that can make it a lot easier is if you're financially secure in all of those other areas that we've already spoke about. Because when I did find out that I was unexpectedly pregnant, I already had an emergency fund. I already had job security. I already was saving for other financial goals. So it was easy to shift years and focus that money on something else. And so that's mostly what I talk about is because I have like really bad anxiety, something that's changed my life is giving myself that control that you feel like you'll never have with money. And that's the only thing that's given me that feeling is emergency funds. And it sounds so silly because it's like, well, that's just like, there's other ways to get that feeling of security. But I'll be honest with you, this is the only part of my life that I don't worry about anymore. I'm not worried if I lose my job tomorrow because I know I'll be okay. And I wouldn't be worried if I had an unexpected pregnancy happen tomorrow because like, I know I'd be okay. It will never be enough. Like you'll never feel like you have enough because of that scarcity piece again. But knowing that like you can just start to put a plan into action for the baby and not have to worry about everything else is a good thing to to feel. And so, no, you can't plan for every <laughs> unexpected expense. Like we've, I talk about climate change too in yeah. the book. Like those are things that like you can only control so much. Yeah, of as life. an individual, there's so, only so much we exactly. can do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like controlling what you can't control. That's all about how you learn to manage your anxiety. It's like a work in progress all the time is like, what can I control? What's within my control today? What can I do today that's actually going to make a difference? Absolutely. I feel like too often people get overwhelmed, you know, especially if you just list out all of the things that are wrong with the world or things that could potentially happen to derail you. It can, yeah, like just explode in your mind and you'll be crippled with anxiety and you'll just feel like that you can't do anything because yeah there is like climate change is real and when you think too hard about it it is terrifying but there's only so much that you can do as an individual to to you know put your you know make the world a better place really it's like the the big guys the big corporations the big governments that are that need to make the big shifts and stuff like that but like you said, I feel like for, for myself too, you know, when I was especially just starting out and trying to figure out how can I get more control or feel like I at least have control when it feels like so much is out of my control. It is those little things that add up over time that when you do them for long enough, yeah, I don't, I don't have sleepless nights about money or paying my bills or my, you know, expensive mortgage because I have these things in place and I've had them in place for a while. And that just kind of is one of those ways to give yourself some yeah sense of security. Um, it is just one of those things. Yeah. I've always had an emergency sen- uh, emergency fund since uh, I was in my twenties. That was the first thing that I kind of learned and first thing I implemented. And it really was a game changer, even more so than you know, building my net worth and investing my money and building what it's like that emergency fund was like the big game changer. I say the other thing that also uh, like compounded that feeling, feeling, okay, everything's going to be okay, no matter what happens. And you talk about this in the book is making sure that you have things like the proper insurance and estate plan. I think often people forget about that, especially young people. They're like, oh no, I'll worry about that. Or I think I've got it through my employer or something, but they have no idea how much coverage they have. And as we've seen so much over the years, 
years, you know, so many people aren't prepared and then maybe they lose someone. And that's when you see like a GoFundMe page, even though these things could have been prepared in advance with a proper, you know, estate plan or insurance. Do you want to kind of touch on some of that? You know, you do talk about that a little bit in the book and why it's so important, especially for younger people to consider, hey, do you have life insurance? Hey, do you have a will? Yes. One thing that I really would love to talk about in that department is a one thing that people don't consider a financial emergency that inevitably will be for most of us mm. is we all have parents. Yes. And mm. those are the people that are actually the least within your control. Yeah. You probably can't, you can, you know, like yeah. you can't, you can't tell, tell what to do. Believe me. To get <laughs> you can't, you can't force them to do things that they're not comfortable doing. But what you can do is have the conversations about those things that they may not want to have. And you definitely don't want to have, cause it's not fun talking about death. Um, but at the same time, that's something that's going to happen, especially if you're an only child and depending what culture you grew up in as well, because there are cultural expectations that require you to take care of your parents, um, as they age. And so I talk a lot about that, like how to actually have those conversations and how to have those conversations with your friends and your kids, because it's really awkward, but if you're a parent or if you have a home, you need a will. And it's not for you. It's not for you at all. It's for the people you love. And so doing those small things is so important because that's the thing about money. It's not always about you. A lot of it has to do with like other people and how the way you use your money impacts them. And I just think like a lot of us forget that those things are emergencies or they could be emergencies if we don't approach them mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think often, yeah, people maybe put that aside because, well, A, you know, it's not fun thinking about your death, but also it's 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 not really directly impacting you. You're like, well, I'll be dead. doesn't matter. But it's like you're going to leave some you're going to leave people behind and you have no idea the impact um, that you not being in the world will have on them because you won't be around to see it. And so it is such a simple, Mm -hmm. easy thing. And it's gotten so much easier over the years to implement things like having life insurance or, uh, or even just understanding if you do have benefits through your employer, read that, you know, booklet and see how much are you actually covered? And is it enough? Cause I yeah, think is often, it enough? yeah, most people don't realize that they're like, Oh, you're only covered for like $250,000, but your house or what you owe on your mortgage is way more than that. So guess what's going to happen? They're going to have to sell the house. And do you really want to have your family sell the family home? during this really difficult time. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so important. But yeah, like you said, a lot of us, maybe it's, it still doesn't resonate for you, know, depending on what your age is, your parents, this is, it's a difficult conversation. I know me and my husband, as we're getting older and our parents are getting older, we're having more of those conversations. It's tricky because your parents obviously still see you as their children and don't necessarily want to take your advice, but it's so crucial to understand what is the plan where is your will? Where in your house is your will? Where can we yeah, find where it? Where are your it? passwords? <laughs> oh, believe me, that's definitely something that my husband are slowly chipping away at with his parents. I swear they've got money in their walls. You know, <laughs> like, I know, I know. It's, there's they're hiding stuff in the yard, kind of thing. Um, You'll have to do a demo just. To, oh just my to gosh! Get yeah, I I 100 believe there's some hidden stuff in there. <laughs> But well, uh, and yeah. I talk a lot about like reframing those questions mm-hmm. and approaching the conversation so that they don't feel like it's yes. an attack or they don't feel like you're trying to parent them because as a parent myself, I don't think I would like that very no. much. Um, 
So I, I completely understand that it takes time and it's not just a one conversation mm-hmm. thing either. It's like a multi-part conversation that you'll have to have. But again, it's, it's a have to. Yeah, you have to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one thing I also really appreciated, and you're always very vocal about this, you know, on your um, online platforms, but I also really appreciate that you uh, discuss this in the book is your kind of relationship with anxiety, but also um, how therapy and, and, and seeking outside help was so beneficial. I think so many people when they think about money, they just think of, you know, hiring a financial planner or, you know, learning this stuff and applying it themselves. But I mean, as I've, you know, also been, uh, you know, using therapy for a number of years, it, and also then trained to become a financial counselor, which is kind of like the mix of the counseling and the finance. It is so important for us to recognize, like you've mentioned scarcity mindset so many times. That's something that I've battled with. I know so many other people battle with it and it is deep rooted in something from our past or generationally and stuff like that. Do you want to kind of speak to why you really want to, um, you know, just make it so that you were very open to discussing that in the book and, and share why it's, it's a really kind of could be that key element to why you're like, I know this stuff. Cause what I've realized, and I'm sure you have too, it's so many people know this stuff already, but they're still not doing it. They're like, why, why can I not move forward? I know what I need to do and I'm not doing it. Um, do you want to kind of speak to kind of how the, uh, you know, mindset and psychological aspect of personal finance is so important to also focus on? Yeah, they're super connected, deeply connected. Like everything that has to do with money is emotional, how you spend it, how you save it. Um, and, and any interaction that you have with it, the way you make decisions even, is greatly impacted by your upbringing, like you said, and how you how you feel about money. Like, how was it spoken about in your household when you grew up? Because it was different for all of us. And so I've seen statistics that say like 61% of Americans have financial anxiety. Mm. And that is, that's a lot that's of That's high. <laughs> and oh yeah, it's an intense source of stress for us. Um, and there's a huge stigma that still exists because immediately the first thing that happens when you deal with financial anxiety or feeling like you don't have enough is shame, guilt, feeling embarrassed. Um, I've shared so many things in that book about like the mistakes I've made and how they make me feel because every single time I feel like no one else has ever done this. Uh, I'm the only one that would ever do something this stupid, but that's not the reality at all. Like almost all of us have made the same money mistakes over and over and over again. And it's never just a one-time thing. Like it takes a few times of learning when you do something wrong before you actually make the change. And because of things like you said, um, a lot of people don't really realize they have money trauma. I didn't even realize I did. But when you deal with something, maybe you lived in poverty, maybe you were in a financially abusive relationship, or maybe you just simply had a ton of debt and you cannot get out and you've kept it a secret and it's eating you alive. Those things happen and they exist and we feel bad about them, but you shouldn't because you're not the only person that's dealing with those things. We all deal with it. And just giving, like allowing yourself to accept that it's happened and not shaming people into making financial decisions and doing things with their money instead of like just accepting that it's happened and like giving them that support of like you're okay you're not a bad person like it's okay to have debt like you will get through it and I actually talked to um, Bo Humphreys in the book and he was amazing when it came to talking about emotions and money because he was like, it's weird because we like really shame people who need to approach something like bankruptcy. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like the worst thing or failure. It's a bad thing. Yeah. But he was like, but if more people were okay with the idea, like, obviously you don't want to get into debt just to, just to use bankruptcy as you're out. But at the same time, if you know that it's an option and it's going to give you a chance to start from scratch when otherwise you're going to be stuck living in this state of like constant anxiety and fear, then why not just do it? Like, it's okay. It's going to put you back in a place where you, and in a position where you can actually prepare for your financial future. So that's definitely something that I focus on heavily in the book because it greatly impacts me. I talked a lot about my feelings with um, anxiety and also I had depression and and that greatly impacted me. And most of it had to do with finance. And I don't think I really realized or recognized that at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's I think a lot of people are deal with this and probably don't even recognize that they are dealing with this. I mean, you know, I definitely have dealt with some yeah, financial anxiety and scarcity and it's definitely deep rooted and just like how my upbringing and, and family and stuff like that. And I still kind of recognize it in, you know, certain family members and it's the, the best thing that you can do is recognize it and then do something about it. Because if you don't, like, I know I've grown so much as a person because I've done the work on myself and tried to figure out, okay, why is this? And what can I do to not just let this control my decisions moving forward and, and my life. And it's, it's difficult. And even me and my husband, have had a lot of conversations and he also, um, you know, talks to somebody as well. He talks, you know, he's been having some conversations uh, along those lines too, because he has a very similar upbringing to me. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's reasons why we have certain money habits that we're like, Oh, I've just always been like this. It's like, where did you get that though? And can yes. you change it? And the only way to change it isn't just by willpower. It's by really, understanding where does this come from and that'll give you kind of that epiphany to be like oh that makes sense and then mm-hmm. you can kind of and, try to shift things well yeah and like you said the awareness piece is huge mm. if you can label a feeling yeah. and how money makes you feel about anything yeah that is like a huge win just being able to identify how, how it makes you feel is such a big win. Totally. Yeah. Without that kind of label or that way to describe something, then you kind of feel like, is this even real or is this just me being crazy? I mean, I remember like when I learned the term gaslighting, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great word <laughs> to describe a thing that's always existed, but no one had a label for it. So no one thought it was real. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Like that's a game changer to be able to like actually vocalize this is the thing and that's how you can make some uh, big changes now uh before i let you go you you talk about so many great things and, and i really appreciate you. you talk to so many um great you know experts lots of people that i recognize their names in the book which is really fun but also you have such a big audience yourself and talk to your followers uh so much i'm curious what are some of kind of the the key things that you you hear from people uh from your audience that they maybe are struggling struggling with in terms of kind of dealing with financial emergencies and what would some of your kind of pieces of advice be to to you know overcome them yeah the the main one is the inability to actually spend Mm. the emergency fund that you've saved Mm -hmm. and something that i remind those people of is that i get it i've i've been in that situation but the other thing is is like one day you will face a moment when you have no choice but to use that emergency fund and so maybe it feels like it's not doing anything right now or serving the purpose that you had hoped it would serve but eventually it will because 
there are so many things that we cannot avoid in life and that again will be planned expenses that are emergencies and so it's good that you have it and like just keep it and and keep reminding yourself that it's okay to use it when you need to use it just give yourself that affirmation um but another one is just it's a lot of people that are in that situation of they're in debt where they're living paycheck to paycheck and saving for something else is like a huge burden and something that gives them so much overwhelm. And I think that I hope that they feel a little bit less like they can't do it if they read the book because it doesn't have to be a massive three to six month emergency fund for you to feel secure. It doesn't have to be that big. And there are other options. You can have a line of credit. It's not the best option, but if that's all you can do to prevent yourself from being able to make your bills paid on time and continue to feed your family, then that's enough. And a lot of people don't hear that from financial content or from experts. They hear that that's not good enough. You need to do more. And so many of us are at our absolute limit. There is no more. There is no more. We're living in a pandemic. We are struggling through like stagnant wages. Housing prices are ridiculous. So like enough is enough and just give yourself a break and accept that like sometimes we are only doing the best that we can do with what we have. And that's that's enough. I know you talk a little bit also in the book that I really appreciate is when you are in that circumstance where there's there's not there's not enough. It's like also how brave it actually is to ask for help, because also I feel like a lot in the personal finance community, um, there is like that kind of shame or judgment for like, oh, you have to ask for either financial help or just help in in terms of getting that guidance from, you know, family or friends or things like that. I thought that was so important that you put that in because a lot of people think that is also like, oh, no, you should never ask for that. And in general, yeah, it's, it's, it can be dicey, you know, um, mixing money with family and friends, but sometimes there's no choice. So do you want to kind of share a little bit about that? Right. I think that like a lot of us are really, again, it's, it's scary to even talk about money. Like I've always said, it's easier to talk to a complete stranger about your financial situation than it is with your best friend or your parents. No one wants to admit when they're struggling. And not everyone also has the privilege to ask for that help that we speak about as well, which is something that I always want to point out. But that's another thing too. It's like, you don't have to ask other people. There are resources in your community that you may not be aware of. There is government support that you should completely take advantage of. That's why it exists. Like you aren't a bad person for needing that. That's why it's there. And another thing that like I speak to is if you're in the States and a medical emergency arises, there's, it would be really rare that even your emergency fund would be enough to cover that. So I think it's perfectly okay to reach out to friends and family, also to your community. Like, I think it's okay. I think GoFundMe, that's why it exists too. Like, take advantage of those things that are going to keep you financially secure, especially if it's like down to a situation where you cannot keep your lights on. Then do it. Like, it's you're not a bad person. Those are essentials. Every human deserves to have those things. And if it means asking for help to have basic necessities, then so be it. Life shouldn't be like this, but this is the world we exist in. And so take advantage of the things that you can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's no shame in, in, in doing that. I think that's 
I mean, we've talked a lot about the, uh, that feeling of shame throughout this uh, episode because I feel like that's also a feeling because, you know, you started kind of blogging around um, the time I did and I feel like we had a lot of the same, there's a lot of the same experts out there kind of um, sharing, you know, a certain tone and that was a big feeling I always had about money even though I felt like I was like doing all the right things. I always still had money shame and I feel like everyone has that and we really need to get rid of this idea that anything to do with personal finance or, or money management is shameful. We're all just trying to do the best that we can we're all just trying to you know hit some of our goals pay our bills live our lives as best as we know how and sometimes it's easier for for others than uh, you know it is for for some people we're not all on the same playing field we all have different situations that we deal with and sometimes you know we're just in a situation where it's like this this isn't enough I need help I need to I need to figure this out and you know just because you are maybe in that situation the kind of you know great aspect of personal finances it doesn't mean you're always going to have to be there and like some of the my favorite inspirational stories is people that really were in a you know dire situation and you know took the time you know maybe took advantage of some of the resources and then uh you know slowly built you know, their life back up. And now lots of them are, you know, people like you that are, you know, you know, talking about this and sharing kind of their expertise with people, which is so, I think, inspirational that no matter where you are at right now or whatever situation you've been in the past, that does not determine your future. Yeah. And the other thing too, is a lot of us automatically assume that because an expert says it, we have to do it. Well, if an expert says it, I must need to do this. But and that doesn't mean it's for you. Um, sometimes the best advice comes from people that aren't experts. Sometimes you'll get the best advice from your mom, from your best friend, from a stranger on the street. And that is acceptable advice too. You don't have to do what everyone else is telling you to do because it's not going to work for all of us. It's impossible for someone to give you a perfect rule that will completely fit your situation. And a lot of us think that the only people who are allowed to guide us with something like finance are experts. And I feel like we're at a place now where the community is so big and there is so many new voices here that there is someone for everyone now. You need to find someone that you can actually resonate with and they might not be an expert and that's okay. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just people and we're all just like, you know, even though like, you know, I'm sometimes on the news and, uh, you know, giving some, some tips or whatever, it's like, I still have to give information that is for a general audience. I can't, you know? So it's like, if someone hears what I'm saying, like, it's not bad, but it may not speak to you in your particular situation. Cause I'm, I'm just saying in general, this is a good thing to do, but it's like, but mm-hmm. is it good for you specifically? I don't know. Cause I don't know what you're going through your background, your particular needs. And so I think that's also, I always tell people, it's like, no matter what your, your co- kind of content you're um, consuming or information you're getting, you, you know, always have a little grain of salt on the side because it is all general. It's really important for you to kind of take the parts that work for you and then throw away the parts that just do not make sense for your life. Exactly. And like, I don't expect that I can be everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not for everyone and that's okay. 
Exactly. Yeah. But like you said, find people that resonate with you because th- that's how I feel like you'll, you know, when you're, you feel like that the missing element is like that motivation or, or, you know, that how do I get that kind of drive to actually implement some of this stuff? Sometimes it's just about finding the people that you're like, yes, I click with this person. This makes sense to me. I mean, that's definitely what I've seen. I mean, when I was, you know, starting out as a blogger, pretty much all the blogs were by old white men and they had great information, but couldn't connect with them because I was not in their situation. I was not in their shoes. I'm like, I'm a 25 year old white girl from the suburbs. I can't connect with you. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. And so it's so important to, yeah, find people, you know, whether they're like, you know, like you and me, you know, have platforms or just people regular people that you can connect to and ha- can have these open conversations about uh, money with them. Um, so before I let you go, where can people grab a copy of both your books um, and also, you know, connect with you on Instagram and, and uh, wherever else you are on the internet? You bet. Um, I'm at Mixed Up Money on every social media platform. So an easy one to find. Mm-hmm. And then my website's mixedupmoney.com. And you can get the books any major book retailer, you take your pick of where you you prefer to shop. Um, they're available everywhere right now. Yay. So exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show again. It was a pleasure having you on. I'm excited to have you back on the show when I'm sure you release a third book. <laughs> your follow up <laughs> I mean, to fingers this crossed. One. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thanks again for joining me, Alyssa. Thanks so much for having me. And that was episode 327 of the More Money Podcast with my special guest, Alyssa Davies. As I mentioned, her she has two books. You know, the first one is called the 100 Day Financial Goal Journal, which you can uh, get on, you know, wherever you would buy books, you know, Amazon, Indigo, wherever you like. And her latest book is out now as well, Financial First Aid. I will be giving away a copy of her new book. I will share info about that in a hot second. If you want to follow Alyssa on social media, make sure to, you know, you can follow her on Twitter or Instagram at Mixed Up Money. She also has a YouTube channel. Uh, I will link all of these, of course, in the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 327. And of course, you can find her website, mixedupmoney.com. There you go. Okay, so lots of things to share with you. Do not go away. Just want to share a few uh, words about this podcast episode sponsor. This episode of the More Money Podcast is supported by Oxio, Empathy, Radical Transparency, Simplicity, Free Spirit. When you hear these words, I doubt the first thing you'd associate them with is an internet company. Oxio wants to change that. They believe in disrupting the internet provider space in Canada and putting the customer first, finally. And they're doing just that by providing local and friendly customer service, unlimited internet, no contracts, and competitive pricing to customers in Quebec, Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta. That's why I made the switch to Oxio myself. Not only that, when you sign up using the promo code MOREMONEY, you get your first month free. Plus, like everyone at Oxio, an Eero 6 router with ridiculously fast Wi-Fi speeds and better privacy controls is included. And once you've signed up, you can even use Oxio's referral program to earn free internet. Want to ditch your old internet provider like me? Just visit oxio.ca and use promo code MORE to try out Oxio for free for one month. It's as simple as that. Once again, visit oxio.ca, that's O X I O.ca, and use promo code MORE to try Oxio for free for one month. 
Okay, so what do I got to share with you? Let's, you know, remind you about my huge book giveaway. Gosh, how many books am I giving away now? This is, I don't, I'm losing track. I'm going to check right now. But if you go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest, like I am doing literally right now to check out all the amazing books, you can enter to win all of them. But obviously, you're only going to win one because I'm the one who chooses you and I will know, you know, I'm just going to choose one person per book, you know. Um, but right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 books, guys. I'm, this is maybe a record. I'm not sure if I've ever given away this many books. And you probably don't know this, um, but I literally buy these books because, so A, I want to support these authors. And then I physically and personally mail them to the winners with a little personalized note that goes into the, the package. It's a special thing if you win a prize for me. I do have, you know, this the personal touch, I think is a nice, nice little thing. I don't know. I just, I get excited just thinking about someone getting a package from me. <laughs> I love getting packages. Um, so make sure to go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest to enter to win um, one of the uh, several books that are on offer. Also, just a reminder, if you uh, listened to last week, well, uh, not only am I giving away a copy of Sandra Renamato's book, Homeworthy, but uh She's also, she, and I didn't ask her, she was the one who offered, um, is giving away the book plus a free membership to her Women Buyers 10 Critical Steps to Success program and a free one hour one on one consultation with herself. So again, you can just uh, go to jessicamorales.com slash contest and click and enter and all the information will be right there. Okay, what else? Well, just as a reminder, I have an investing course. If you've listened to any of my episodes about investing and wondered, how do I actually get started? Well, if you're Canadian, I built a course specifically for you. It is called Wealth Building Blueprint for Canadians. It is a course specifically for uh, Canadians who want to learn about passive investing, index investing, like I'm always talking about on the show. And not just that, but oh gosh, it is comprehensive. Let me tell you. We really go through everything you can possibly need to know in order to be a confident and knowledgeable and experienced investor and make the right decisions for you, whether that is, you know, uh, using a robo-advisor or it's going self-directed DIY investing with a discount brokerage. We go through it all and I'm very proud of it. It is my pride and joy, let me tell you. And I've been over the past several months, honestly, starting in November, I've been uh, doing a, a big update of the course, making it even more comprehensive, adding new lessons and just making things meatier and more exciting. So if you're interested in learning about investing or you are currently investing and you have no idea what you're doing or you just want to get away from your advisor because you're also not sure what they're doing, you just want to be more um, involved and just more knowledgeable about what's going on with your investment so you could build your wealth for retirement or whatever else your, your investment goals are, this may be a course that you want to take a look at. And you can check out, there's a link in the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 327 or go to jessicamorehouse.com slash WBB. Once again, that is jessicamorehouse.com slash WBB. Otherwise, I feel like that is literally what I've been working on. I am also working on a few secret projects. I am not going to tell you what they are until, you know, you know, when you work on something and you're really excited about it, you want to tell people about it, but you can't because you're worried it will not happen. That's what it is. But, uh, you know, 
hopefully one day soon, I'll be able to tell you what it is. And then I'll tell you, oh yeah, when I was teasing it, that's what I was talking about. But working on something that I'm pretty excited about and we'll fingers crossed, but I don't want to jinx it because I'm always worried that if I want something too much, that it won't happen because that's where my brain goes. Um, but, uh, oh yeah, I think I mentioned this on last episode and I know this is super cheesy, but I finally got my new desk installed into my office and I'm excited. It like the things that I get excited about a new desk, but honestly, sometimes it's like you need to have the space, like the, the right, you know, space and organization, just like the right vibe, or I'm going to say this wrong, like feng shui, feng shui, feng shui, you know what I mean? Um, not that I know anything about that, um, how it actually operates, but you know what I mean? Like, just just like the right, you know, things need to go in the right places to have the right feel for then it to be conducive for you to be, you know, productive or excited to get to work, if that makes sense. Um, but with that said, because I had to like paint that room, I've been like working on the couch all week. And you know what? It's not as fun as it seems like you're like, oh, great. Working on the couch. No, it's not great. Not great. Maybe I'm too old. My back just won't allow it. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's exciting. That's exciting for me. <laughs> and uh, in a few weeks, I'll be actually able to go on my first trip in a while going to a friend's uh, wedding. I haven't been to a wedding, gosh, in years. I mean, not just because of COVID. I feel like just because I'm at that age where, you know, everyone's kind of married up. So super excited to do that. Yeah, that's it. That's really all I got, guys. I feel like some there's got to be something more exciting I could share with you, but there really there isn't at the minute. But uh, hopefully there will be very soon and I can share these things with you. So thank you so much for listening. I will be back here next Wednesday. Who is on? I'll, let's see. Who do I have? Oh, I've got a great another author on the show that you're going to love. I really enjoyed her book. I've got Paris Woods on the show. She wrote the book, The Black Girl's Guide to Financial Freedom. So you're not going to want to miss that coming next Wednesday. So thanks so much for listening. A big shout out to my wonderful podcast editor, Matt Rideout. As always, I will see you next Wednesday. Have a good weekend. See you back here next week. Ciao. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.